0: It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. We are always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are also streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And uh, if if you're watching there, you see that I'm wearing a polo, which means you know today's a serious show. Yeah, I've got a collared shirt on and everything. Um, this is a insane day to do a sports talk radio show. And there is an impossible number of things that we are going to try to tackle today, because the the day's news that the commanders, or sorry, that the Capitals and the Wizards are, in all likelihood, it is not to Virginia, um, to Potomac Yards in 2028, is stunning. Um, but on top of its sheer stunningness, if you will. It is also as intersectional as anything that I can remember covering, since certainly since we started this show. Um, certainly the commander's sale was complicated in a number of ways, and there was a lot of different factors at play. And we did get into congressional investigations and in different jurisdictions and, um, and talks about power and abuse and um, you know money and, and finances and all of these different things. But at the end of the day, that was still in many ways a story of good versus evil. Snyder gone, um, you know, Harris in, he's the hero. Um, there's other heroes in that story who who stepped up and, and fought Snyder to to force his ouster, all of that stuff. And and there's still like those main characters at play. Here we're talking about macroeconomics, microeconomics, we're talking about societal impacts of of sports teams, we're talking about economic impacts of sports teams. Um and, and I've spent so much of today talking to people, uh, many of the conversations that you'll hear, uh, and, and also like just background from different folks, um, and, and also doing my own research, uh, which somehow has become a scary term, but like actually doing journalistic research, um, reading everything from old Washington Post stories. I read... The story from the day that the MCI Center, as it was called at the time, opened in the early 2000s, reading it um, feels like reading an old-timey newspaper article, even though it was the early 2000s, just the way it's written, um, you know, the chronicling of things compared to so much of what written journalism is now and so much of what we read now is, but just a true play-by-play of the day's events, Um was pretty remarkable to read and to hear some of the things and the way it was described and what Abe Poland did at the time. So I've read that I've read economics. Um, you know, I'm not gonna pretend like I read entire studies, but I read, you know, a lot of synopsis of economic studies today. Um, talking about everything from stadium impacts to, uh, our stadium impacts on local economies to some stuff that I want to talk about on the bigger economic picture, uh, in terms of CEO pay to median employee pay the way that the richer have gotten rich, and the way that impacts this story, and Ted Leonsis specifically. But I think to st- on a sports radio show, to start anywhere but the soul of this story is to mistake my job here as a sports talk radio host and, and also the thing that most of you listening care about the most, which is today Ted Leonsis announced he's taking the soul of the city and putting it in Virginia. And while I think that there is some overreaction on certain elements of this story in terms of, like it's not like he moved them to Richmond. It's not like he even moved them back to Baltimore. And I say back uh, just because it is worth reminding that this team, the Bullets, uh, turned Wizards. um, And I know the Caps are a part of this too, and I'll explain why I'm focused so much on the Wizards in a second. Um, But that this team originally was from Baltimore and then obviously moves to the capital center and then on into DC uh, and the MCI center um, when it did. Uh, and actually, sorry, I said early two thousands, it was late nineties um, when that happened. Obviously, Leontis buys buys the, them from Poland about a decade later. Um, but you're, you're talking about a move of a couple of miles, a couple of Metro stops, by the way, it's on the same line. Um, you know, the yellow line passes through gallery place. So, you know, for some of you who commute from suburban Maryland to go to capital one arena, you'll still go to capital one arena, which does feel like rubbing some dirt in it. Um, you'll transfer to the yellow line and then you'll, you'll go to Potomac yards. It's an extra 15, 20 minutes. It's annoying as hell, but like, okay, is what it is. Um, it's not like he's moving them out of state. It's not like he's taking them away. They'll still be called the Washington wizards and they, most of you hate anyway. Um, But at the same time, I think Mike Wilbon captured this in pure, raw anger yesterday on PTI when he got seemingly passed a note at the end of the show when he talked about basketball being a city game. Like basketball is a game that has thrived in American cities, specifically cities. Of course, you know, it's played in suburbs. It's played where there's there's playgrounds everywhere in the country. But in so many ways, the soul, the culture of basketball is a city game. And few cities have the basketball history of this one, of D.C. And I think because of that, the Wizards have smartly and to their credit leaned into that, especially over the last five, six years. But even beyond that, I mean, they're literally unveiling a piece, a a court in a couple of nights Two nights from now, in fact, December 15th, that is steeped in a part of D.C. history that most of us didn't know about. A lot of people still don't care about, but it, to the very least, like most of us who lived in the district didn't even know about these boundary stones. Like they got so deep in a D.C. that they're talking about boundary stones on a much simpler level. They wear their city edition jerseys that say the district on them. And I don't think I have to be coy about this. And like, this is going to be a show for adults. I don't mean to say that in a patronizing way, but like, we're going to talk about some heady, heavy stuff today. We have a guest coming up at five o'clock. Who's a world renowned economist. Like this isn't your average sports talk radio topic. And thus, this will not be your average sports talk radio show, but like there is a racial element to this as well. DC is chocolate city. DC has historically been a black city. And the fan base and the player base in the NBA is obviously heavily skewed black as well compared to every other sport. And to rip that from the district has to be talked about. And this is why also like we just accept the fact that the capitals and the wizards are a package deal here. And I think this move is actually great for the caps. I think the the fan base is larger in Virginia um, you know, obviously hockey is a more suburban sport in terms of who is playing it. I don't need to tell you that hockey skews the other way racially, uh, and the way the, the, uh, the, uh, demographics of the suburbs skew, and especially the Virginia suburbs. Um, there's also some terrific, like youth hockey clubs, many of which the capitals have helped build uh, build it since they moved their practice headquarters to Northern Virginia. So there's like, there's a great synergy there. We just accept the fact that it's okay to like move these teams together, because one guy owns them, it doesn't have to be that way. Most teams, or most cities, don't have people that own two teams and just move them around all they want. Like the basketball arena and, and the hockey arena sharing, like that's not terribly uncommon. In fact, I would say it's probably fairly common. Not always under the same owner, although there are plenty of other setups like this. But this shows the problem with one dude owning so much of the thing that millions of people care about. This is a great business deal for Ted Leonsis. That shouldn't be a reason to move a team like the Washington Wizards. And I think we need to be able to hold those thoughts in our heads together critically. And I've listened to some of my colleagues today talk about, oh, Ted's this, Ted's that. I don't give a rip about Ted Leonsis. I care about you. I care about me, frankly. Not as a journalist, but as a sports fan. But I care much more as someone who has this job as a journalist about you. I care about the listener who is, my listener is, is their fan. That is inherent in what I do as a sports talk radio host. And I know that the people who care about the Washington Wizards the most, those that today are going to wear their Washington Bullets gear, like my dear friend Clinton Yates, who will join us at 5.30 today, are crushed. And they should be. Those are valid feelings. And for a city game to be ripped from the city like this is wrong. It's just wrong. And I don't care if it's good business. You don't get to own a sports team to just be in business. Now, luckily, I think this is a good thing. Sports teams have gotten to the point where most of them make money. And frankly, this is another thing on the caps versus wizards, not to pit them against each other, but like this is a part of the discussion. The Wizards matter way more than the Caps because the Wizards make the money. The NBA makes money hand over fist in a way the NHL does not. And so if we're talking about which team gets prioritized, I'm sorry, Caps fans. I'm sorry, Alex Ovechkin. I'm sorry, everyone, this is going to upset. But the Wizards are more important. If you want to be a businessman. And I don't think this is good for the Wizards. Not spiritually, at least, maybe it's good econo- and, and like economically sure. And I think there's also a fact uh, that needs to be said that if the wizards hadn't been mostly irrelevant for the last 40 years, the economics would look very different. Moving the warriors out of Oakland was hard for those owners, and they felt I think there was some like genuine oh crapness about it. Now they moved to a different city in the Bay Area. They still kept it uh, urban. They just went San Francisco instead of Oakland. But like part of the reason that was so tenuous is because the Warriors suddenly were awesome. But unlike even the Wizards, the Warriors had a great fan support in Oakland for 40 years. Oracle was rocking when the Warriors stunk. Cap 1's a dud. I go to a lot of Wizards games. Ain't a lot of people there, at least to see the home team, fill up when the Knicks are in town. It fills up when the Bucks are in town. People want to see Giannis be a LeBron fans there when LeBron's in town. The numbers would look different. All of this would be different if Leontis didn't mismanage the team for the entire 25 years he's been here. And so there's a lot of factors at play. And I'm just, frankly, I'm just getting started. Because at the end of the day, if you leave over $600 million when you just made millions upon millions, like a couple hundred million of dollars, because you were willing to go into business with the Qataris, you were the first NBA owner to say, oh, we can do business with sovereign wealth funds now? Sweet. Hey, Qatari government, Qatari sovereign wealth fund, who just killed five to 7,000 people building stadiums for a World Cup you had no business hosting and bribed FIFA for, away from the U.S., by the way. We'll go into business with you. And then you're going to leave D.C. over $600 million? That doesn't sit right with me. Straight up. So, yeah, are there economic reasons why Ted Leonsis did this? Sure. Is this, quote, unquote, a good business deal? Yeah, I, I give him that credit. But if you're in sports ownership to do business deals, you don't belong in sports ownership. And that is just where I sit as a sports fan who is frankly sick and tired of seeing rich people ruin things that I really enjoy that should be shared by all of us. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. I will get more into some of these numbers, some of the things I was thinking about today next. Uh, And then we'll actually be joined by someone who's going to answer questions from Monumental um, about all of this. Jim Van Stone, the Chief Operating Officer of Monumental Sports, will join us at 530 here on the Team 980. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. So... I just talked about how I don't really want to hear if this is a good business deal for Ted Leontis because I don't care. And I would like to flush that thought out a little bit more um, in a moment. Um, and then I would like to actually talk about why I think this could be an opportunity for the district of Columbia, um, which I know might sound weird. Cause like, clearly I don't like that this is happening based off what I just said, but we have to also deal in the reality of what is and, there is an opportunity potentially presented here for the district to solve some of the problems that it currently faces. And this is a lot to try to get in, um, but we have a ton of guests coming up, and so w- we dive right back in. Um, I was doing some economic research earlier today, and this is not something I do on a regular basis. It's certainly something that interests me. Um, I think those of you that have followed me for a while know I'm very interested in politics, and I come to that approach not because I enjoy a horse race, um, in terms of like who's up and who's down in the polls, I care because politics impacts our lives. And the policies that are passed at the state, local, and federal level matter a lot. And, and depending on the policy, depending on the people, like, it could be a life or death th- type of thing. Um, certainly impacts our, our daily lives um, in, in a variety of ways. And the way that the economy has evolved over the last 60 years is pretty ridiculous um, and I'll explain in a moment with some numbers but I, I say that to say when we look at these things as sports franchises as public trusts which Josh Harris has talked about you know hey I I know when I bought the commanders like this team means a lot to a lot of people it is a public trust. Leonsis even today like tried to spin it like hey this is this is good for the DMV. And I will give him that credit that at least he tried that. He didn't try to say like oh this is actually great for DC. He's like look we we make no bones about the fact that the DMV is our fan ba- fan base and we think this is going to be good for everyone overall. Um but the fact that Ted gets to like make that decision along with his advisors and whoever else is like, it bothers me Um, because rich folks own everything. And you're like, well, Craig, that's how the world works. It's not always how it worked. And at the very least, the rich folks used to not be nearly as rich compared to the rest of us as they are now. And I think this informs my agitation. So we want to say, this is politics. Fine. I don't care. Today's the day we have to talk about this stuff because it matters. Since 196 or in 1965, according to the economic policy Institute, the CEO to median worker ratio. So you take every worker in a company. If you're not, uh, if, if your math, uh, from back in the day is a little rough, uh, mean, median mode, what was all that stuff? Mean is the average modes, the one that comes up most often medians, the one that's dead in the middle, take all the employees in the company, line their salaries up in order go to the one in the middle and say, Hey, that's our number. That's our median, right? That number was about one, uh, or the CEO number was 20 times higher than the median number, 20 to one CEO to, to median worker ratio, which is sounds like a lot, but like really isn't CEOs. I'm not saying the job's easy and there's not a lot of liability and you're not responsible for a lot of stuff, especially at like mega major corporations. You're responsible for hundreds of thousands of people uh, in some of these or like a company like Amazon. Um, you, you're responsible for literally hundreds of thousands of people, some tens of thousands of people. So, um, you know, multinational type of stuff, the amount of the amount of power players that you work with, I'm not saying CEOs shouldn't be highly, highly compensated. Their jobs are very, very difficult and very, very high stakes. And if someone way below below them makes a really significant error, they might have to own it uh, and, and take the, the fall. So, you want to get paid more fine. Okay. 20 to one sounds like a lot until you realize that now, because remember that 20 to one was in 1965. Now that number is 272 to one. That is per the economic policy Institute for 2022, the most recent full year we have. So for every $1 that the median person makes at a publicly traded corporation, the CEO makes 272. So that means by the time you've made $4, your CEO has made over a thousand. The number, it just gets worse from there. Company like Live Nation, that number's way higher. Their CEO, Michael Rapino, this is all publicly available information because these are publicly traded companies. By the way, Ted Leonsis would like to make Monumental public, uh, which means it can be traded. You buy shares, etc. He makes uh, Michael Rapino of Live Nation makes $139 million a year. 139. His median worker makes $25,000. Which there's a joke somewhere about that's about how much we all pay for a concert fees every time we book a Live Nation show. But I continue. From 1978 to 2021, CEO pay, the richest folks in America, uh, got about 385% more money. 385%. During that same window, the median worker made 18.1% more. These numbers are terrible. And we could get into a lot of reasons why if this were a different show. This just, I bring this up to explain that Ted Leonsis going for the best business deal, when he's already in that group, that class of people that is making nearly 400% more than he would have in the 1970s, when the rest of us are making less than 20% more, when federal minimum wage hasn't gone up since 2009, I don't, think that we should have a lot of sympathy here. If you want to root for this because you live in Northern Virginia and you would like a closer commute, go ahead, be selfish. But I think there is a misnomer that what is good for the CEO of the company, what is good for the owner is good for the team. It's not true. It's not true. And so before you go celebrating Ted Leonsis' great business deal, and be like, this is going to be great for the Caps or great for the Wizards, realize what Michael Winger and Will Dawkins do is going to have a way bigger impact than what Ted Leonsis makes off of this deal. Now, Winger's, one of his objectives was to build a new practice facility. He's going to get that. So that's probably good. But then there's the question of what happens to the Congress Heights facility, to Entertainment Sports Arena. What happens there? Does that become the Go-Go's facility? That's not what the deal was. Ted got public money from D.C. not four years ago for that. And then there's what happens with Capital One Arena. And this is, unfortunately, I'm out of time right now. That's the other thing I would like to get to. But maybe after Jim Van Stone, depending on how long we keep Jim, I'll get it to why I think the prudent thing to do now for the city would be to negotiate that 2028 is not the time that Ted Leonsis then takes his own money and revamps Capital One Arena into an entertainment uh, district that looks a little different, hosts the Mystics, and hosts a bunch of concerts, but why they kick him off the land and do something else completely. We'll get to that coming up later in the show. Jim Van Stone, the COO, Chief Operating Officer of Monumental Sports and President of their Business Operations, joins us next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are scheduled here to catch up with monumental president of business operations, Jim Van Stone. Uh, we will hopefully have him in a second. Um, and Anthony, I'm actually, I just got a note. Uh, for some reason, the phones are not letting him dial in. Um, I am going to forward you an email. And we will have Jim Vanstone on in just a moment. Uh, Always fun when this happens, when we're on the air. Um, And, Anthony, I think I just sent that to your Odyssey email, so please uh, check that one. It has a cell phone number in it uh, for the communications person, and then we will get Jim Vanstone on the show. Uh, Just while we uh, wait to to get Jim on the line, here um a reminder of what actually happened today because i think that this is slightly confusing um this is not a done deal um now do i think that it's going to change absolutely not um do i think that in 2028 the wizards and capitals will be at uh potomac yards as long as they can get the construction done on time uh so there's at least some uh some doubt there because construction is construction who knows um when it will ultimately uh get done but they're giving themselves four years they're going to obviously push hard on this Uh, if the state commits to this they are going to make sure that this gets done with every fiber of their being um leonis is obviously going to commit tremendous resources to this because it'd be pretty embarrassing if it's not ready for the season um, but today was non-binding, and the D.C. city government last night, Mayor Muriel Bowser and the city council, um, led by, by Chair Phil Mendelssohn, did approve $500 million and said, this is our last best offer. If you would like to take it, you are more than welcome. Uh, if not, then I guess you're going to Virginia, which also leads to a pretty interesting question in terms of like what happens next at that Capital One Arena site. Um, Anthony, not getting, not getting through here. What's going on? No, not yet. Okay, still nothing. Um, which is always, always fun. Um, but you've got, um, you know, you you have this, uh, this this proposal that's announced with this gigantic press conference, and then it's still got to get all of the assembly, uh, uh, approval. And what we've seen at this site before, when Jack Kent Cook tried to move the commanders here in the nineties is that the neighborhood is going to put up a fight. There were protesters there today and the people who represent Alexandria and, and are going to probably have some things to say. Some might be for it. Some might be against it. Um, and then we will also, uh, you know, have to see about other folks from downstate like it's in Virginia and does someone who represents Blacksburg or a rural County in Southern Virginia want public money going to Northern Virginia. They might not. So there's a lot to be, to be done here. Um, tell you what, Anthony, let's break early here and then save time on the back end of this to go a little longer with Jim. So I'm going to go ahead and let's break right now and I'm going to help you, uh, as opposed to me trying to text, uh, and talk at the same time. Uh, we'll we'll break, we'll come back, and uh, we should have Jim Van Stone next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Uh, we were scheduled to uh, connect with Jim Van Stone, uh, the COO of Monumental Sports Entertainment, and uh, we found out the phone issues on our end, so... Uh, one, our apologies to Jim. Two, our apologies to you, uh, as I was very much looking forward to that interview. However, uh, we have been in touch with him uh, in the break, and we are going to reschedule for tomorrow. So we will definitely have Jim Vanstone tomorrow on the show, uh, and we will obviously let you guys know on on threads and on on Twitter and. Uh, everywhere else where you can listen to that interview and if for whatever reason you're on your drive home now and we wind up having at a different time in the show tomorrow when you're not normally on your commute home, you can always check it out on demand uh, at Craig Hoffman on YouTube uh, on the Hoffman Show podcast or using the rewind feature on the free Odyssey app. What this does do, though, is create space for what I think is the actual biggest topic here. Um, And and of course, within the realm of sports, the team moving and how we all react to that is the biggest factor. But realistically, sports matters a ton to a few of us. And the way a, a downtown is, the way life goes on in a city around sports and without sports even matters a whole lot more to a lot more people. And even for as much as sports matters to all of us, things like education for our kids does matter more. If you could either have a great education for your child or a winning sports team, you'd pick the education for your child. You might joke about the sports team, but realistically, what's more important to you? The Wizards' success and them playing in a great arena uh, in a place you want? Or your ability to send your kid to a school and trust that they're gonna get a good education and graduate, and above all that, be safe. And that is where I think Ted Leon's is taking his teams and uh leaving could actually be an opportunity for the district. Now, there would be a ton of lawyers. So I realize what I'm about to say is complicated. However, Leonsis has what's called a land lease on Monument or on Capital One Arena. He owns the building. He leases the land. So theoretically, I don't know exactly how this would work. I need to talk. One of the the people on my list to talk to that I didn't get to today is a real estate developer who would be able to talk me through how this works because they can't be like, hey, you're gone and it's not the monopoly board where they flick the house off and it goes flying across the room. Like, Capital One Arena is a lot of concrete and metal and stuff. And removing it would not be easy. But it can be done. And if I am Mayor Bowser, that is exactly what I would try to do. I know Ted wants to move the Mystics there. And that's a great thing that the Mystics have now garnered enough support that a ten thousand seat arena is more their speed than the five thousand seats at ESA. Now, I've been on record saying I think ESA is awesome the way it's set up because it's packed out, and I hope that um, it continues to be that. And then hopefully, if they move to Capital One Arena and there is more, there could be more. That also leads avoiding Congress Heights with the Saint Elizabeths location, and I do think that is important to mention as well. Leontis just took public money with a promise to revitalize that area which often means gentrify, and that also should be said here. Um, and that ha- that has not happened at all. People go to the games, um, thousands of people go to the games, and then they they go home. Nobody goes to dinner uh, in in Anacostia before a game. If anything, you might go somewhere in Navy Yard and then drive over um, or take the Metro, but most people don't even take the Metro because Anacostia is too far um the Anacostia station's too far to really walk. And, you know, it doesn't feel like it's the safest part of town um, when, when you're making that walk over in, in Anacostia to ESA. So with all that said, like, we are looking at a city that is incredibly unique in a number of ways. But when it comes to housing and, and urban development, the building limits are so incredibly restrictive Because of federal land, the federal government, and specifically the height limits. In Manhattan or Chicago, if you want to build more housing, you build up. You can't do that in D.C. Buildings aren't allowed to be more than, what, seven stories? Depending on how, maybe you can fit in an eighth and ninth. But it can't be taller than the White House and the Washington Monument. Um, I believe, or sorry, the Capitol Capitol. Um, the Capitol is is the one that actually sets the bar. The only exception is the Washington Monument. So, you're, if that's the case, you can't just build a forty-story apartment building and be like, ah, we created thousands of houses. Sweet, we just brought million or you know a couple thousand people into an area, and now we're going to build a, a fast casual this and a fast casual restaurant that, and a dry cleaner, and a coffee shop and a gym or six, which is what happens in these neighborhoods. And I think what needs to happen, and this, this is my like top-line, headline-level phrase that I've been using on this since last night. The area around Capital One Arena is a business district that people no longer work in, and that is pandemic-induced. Virtual and hybrid work is here to stay. It is something that the federal government realized that they, Hey, we don't need to, you know, when we're trying to balance the budget, we don't need to pay, uh, all these, all this money to real estate developers to lease space and with it, the tax revenue to DC. It's easier to balance our budget without those lines in it. So let's cut down on our space Because we have people coming in two to three days a week. We can hotel offices. We don't have to have people with full-time spaces. There's less people in every day if they're coming in at all. And private companies did the same thing. And you go from a place that follows the Camden Yards model set in 1992 where Larry Lucchino of the Orioles realized, the president at the time, If we build a ballpark downtown in the business district, everyone will get off of work and go to a restaurant, a bar, and then go to the ballpark. Well, if nobody's at the businesses anymore in the business district, that model fails. And that's what's happened the last couple of years. And not only are people not going to the games as much, part of that, obviously, the play on the court and the ice, specifically for the Wizards, the court, oh. But people aren't going to the restaurants either. Just because the Wizards have been bad at basketball isn't the reason that some of our favorite restaurants uh, in that area have closed. People have stopped working in those areas, and so the restaurants have closed. And you see it even within Gallery Place. Like District D is a great concept and idea, and credit to Ted for being like, no, I'm going to invest in this and we're going to build it. But it replaced a private business, That was like, this ain't worth it for us in Bar Louie. And so what I would do or what I would try to do if I was the mayor is say, we're going to turn downtown from a place that people used to work into a place that people currently live. But here's the thing. People don't really want to live in an entertainment district. Nats Park is an interesting example here where there actually are a lot of apartment buildings and they went the luxury route, which I would beg downtown DC not to turn into. But if you want to, if you want to make that argument and say, no, it's possible to do both. It's possible to have an arena where the mystics play their 20, whatever home games during the summer and another 200 nights a year, there is concerts and circuses and, you know, ice shows and, all the things that go through. They they think they can get to 200, okay. And part of the reason they haven't had as many events there is because they've had to schedule around 81 home games or 82 home games, 41 caps, 41 wizards. And then uh, in May and June, um, they have to keep it open, especially for the Capitals over much of the last decade because there was a the thought that they would be in the Stanley Cup final. And it, you don't want to overbook. And so with all of that, now, out of the way, could you look at this opportunity to revitalize downtown by making it a place that people live and putting grocery stores in place, making you know public-private public, partnerships with businesses to hopefully open restaurants and subsidized this and that so that low-income folks who don't have a place to live in D.C. can live? Because we do have a homelessness problem in this city. We do have crime problems in this city. Um, I, I don't know that the crime problem is bad is as bad as the perception, but it's no doubt worse than it has been. It is going, it is trending the wrong way. So whether or not the perception matches the reality, like it's headed that direction. And so many of these problems, which have been studied extensively by people way smarter, I don't think it's even way smarter, I mean, Many of them are, but certainly more uh, versed on these topics than me will tell you that the kind of economic investment needed to, to pull down crime is, you know, in education, is in after school programs, is in creating the types of businesses that can give people jobs and then giving them a place that they can genuinely afford to live. And because of the nature of D.C., because of the limits because of the fact that the space is mostly taken up. Opportunities to build places to live in this city are extremely rare. This is a chance to do that. And it's already happening to some extent where businesses or commercial real estate has turned into residential real estate. And there might be rezoning that needs to happen. There might be all kinds of things. And I'm sure the federal government will have something to say, um, and maybe even rightfully because some of that stuff is pretty close to a lot of the very important federal buildings. But this is also like we're dealing with the realities that D.C. is governed in a way that no other city in America is. Like We don't have a state government that that overlords us. We have Congress. It's ridiculous. It's another argument for home rule. Again, different show, but like one of the few uh, political opinions I feel I can give on this show that everyone's like, yeah, we're on board with that. Us DC folks are on board with us being able to make our own decisions and not a congressman from Oklahoma, California, Nevada, Oregon, or Montana getting a say because this is where they go to work. And then they go home to their district. Like, get out of here. <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to stay and do your job. Congress is important. But you don't, get to, you don't get a say over our city. And so you shouldn't have a say over our city. And so to me, while this is incredibly sad, and I think the best thing for the soul of the city without question would be to keep the Wizards and the Capitals right where they are. If you're going to do this, or if Ted has already made up his mind that he's going to do this, please, I am begging you, DC, hit him with the door on the way out. Make or work with him to create an area around this arena that is a place where so many of the people who have been displaced by many of the other similar projects, whether it is MCI, turn Verizon, turn Capital One, whether it is what's happened in Navy Yard with Nats Park, so many people need a place to live. And it will change the nature of this city in a way that is tremendous. Take the opportunity that is presented to you. I know it is complicated. I know I've oversimplified it because I'm merely a sports talk radio host and not an urban developer or an economist or An architect or a real estate developer, but I the simple facts are so bare to see that this is possible in some form or fashion. Now, I would like to talk to an economist about all this. So we will. Next, it's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team nine eighty. We're always live on the Free Odyssey app, and we're streaming live on YouTube at the Team Nine Eighty.